There is the music. The puck is dropped and we're underway. Someday we'll call a game together, Craig. Someday. Maybe the 2026 Olympics in Italy. You and I, judging by, you know, what we've heard and seen so far, it might as well be us. Why not us, Craig? <laughs> Episode 40, Alex Tangay. Bonjour. I remember watching Alex play with the Halifax Mooseheads. You know, I saw a game. It was it was really interesting. Uh, uh you look at uh, Jody Shelley. I was on. I was on a show with Jody Shelley last year, Columbus. Him and Jeff Rimmer. I mean, my dad and Jeff Rimmer go way back. Anyway, I was on a. I was on a draft show, and I pulled out some scouting notes, where Jody Shelley, Jody Shelley, Roberto Luongo was playing for Valdor, and he came. They came into Halifax to play. It was. It was unbelievable. I'm reading a scouting report on Jody. I'm showing it up there and. Alex was Alex was one of those players that when you 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 saw him play, he had such an ease of playing because you know what he had here? He had genius hockey brain. He had a genius hockey brain. And you know, he didn't he didn't he didn't have to do all the all the silly things to catch up, right? Like, you know, I, I, I one of the lines that I use and it applies to uh, Alex, he beat you up with his mind. <laughs> he, he, he didn't have to race anywhere he knew where he was going he knew where he had to get to and he knew when and he just beat you there it was he was such a good player game seven 2001 he scored two goals right on brodeur and the devils if memory serves you know correct. what you yeah. know what yeah yeah alex tangan i love when guys stay in the game he wanted to get into coaching he is and he's doing great things in career number two and you know what you said he's got the hockey mind for it so um Hey, I'm just thinking about a 40. So when I think about a 40, you think about, I don't know why he wore 40, but Jody Shelley's a great guy. And then the thing about you is you keep those notes, right? Like those are yeah. were handwritten. Like you didn't computerize them. Then you're, you're like, piece of paper. So you've keeping those notes the way you showed me that gold from the mind games to beat Colorado from the late nineties, like notes that you remember that at the score you gave me. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. I took them home. Yeah, and I showed our buddies about how you're dealing with foot and how you're going to deal with the mind of Wad. Don't say his name and it'll bug him. It'll get to things that you think, not you, but everyone has no idea about, but you guys and learn so much from Bob. Someday oh, we have yeah. to get into that, maybe a summer session before we break about the mind games of playing Patrick Waugh. We're going to have playoffs. There's going to be playoffs this year. What better time to do it than sometime during the playoffs? Well, playoff edition. I love it. I love it. Um, Canada, USA. Last night, boy, when Canada changed four years ago to play modern hockey, they, they didn't do a summit, but they said, listen, we're trying to play physical along the boards and, you know, and, and, the U S is faster and more skilled. And yeah, we went to a shootout, but we, we got to make some adjustments here. We got to see who's in our program and what modern hockey's all about. Craig, the score flattered the U S Canada controlled the puck. They played an NHL game and do now they, I, I want to use an example like the Leafs. They don't give up the puck, the Russian regroup. Why would I dump it in and change? I'm going to bring the puck back. They didn't panic and go off the boards. They make plays, they make plays. And really, the shorthanded goal by Hillary Knight, God Lover, got them back in it. But that was that was a controlled three-two game. Almost reminded me of Canada USA, 2014, when Patrick Kane said, "We only lost one nothing." I said to Patrick, "You only had one scoring chance in the game." <laughs> so I kudos to the girls because the best team, Craig, honestly did win. Yes, they did. There, there, there was absolutely no question that they were the best team at the tournament. Now you come down to one game. 
just one game, right? I mean, a lot of people forget this. The 1998 Olympic team, the first time in the Olympics, Nagano, that team never lost a game in regulation until the bronze medal game when, when they lost to Finland. But they, lost, they, they were undefeated before losing the shootout in the semifinal to, the che to Czechia. Think about that. Like, you know, but like, you're right, Steve. Nobody remembers that you were undefeated and everything, right? And so that, but, but if you don't win, if you don't win, doesn't matter how good you played or if you're the best on paper. And in a one game showdown, you know, and, and certainly in a big rivalry like Canada and the USA have, uh, you know, you got you to gotta take that into consideration. But Canada, you know, the, the, the game they played against the USA in the, in the preliminary game, the first half of the game, the USA can say, you know what, we, we, we were better. But Anne Renee Debian was unbelievable. And then there was none of that last night. <laughs> the, that was one of those games I really believe that if they would have played for another two periods, the, the USA was not going to win. I mean, at the end, they score that goal off the power play. You talk about the game they play. They're fast. The way they work in the in, in, in the offensive zone, the way the interplay, you know, the exchanges that go on, right? And then you think about the way, you know, the the way they can shoot now. Marie, Marie Philippe Poulin's uh, first goal. I mean, she wires that, right? You know, so you know, it used to be you had to pack it in. You're right. They used to play along the wall and you know, grind it out and everything. Uh-uh. This is a team with speed that's got pace, that's got creativity. Did you see the play by uh, Sarah Fillier when she tried to flip the puck over to Natalie Spooner? Like, well, like that's the imagination. Hey, you know what? I'm not trying to do one. Hey, here, here's what I could do. Love it. They, uh, Cheryl Pounder said it's the best uh, Canadian team ever in, in, in women's hockey. And she won two gold medals. So I'm, I'm going to defer to Cheryl. Yeah, it's always easier the further you go along because, you know, you're a faster sprinter today than you were 30 years ago and the team is better and skilled and all that stuff. But I think she's also talking about the style of play, the skill. You know, Sarah Nurse can rip the puck. We've talked about it before. After a disallowed goal, which, which was offside, the right call, great officiated game, by the way. So I was worried about five on threes and everything else. It was, uh, it was a 10 out of 10. So that, that was not, never an issue. The play that was made in front, the modern play, the Sedin tip that we maybe first saw in the modern NHL. I mean, that's a great play. Craig, I'm telling you, because I've been on the ice since 05 with the girls, they just would have shot it into shit. Like, head up, looking to the danger in the middle. The last play then is along the boards without a play. But they walk the line, they do certain things, and you put your money where your mouth is. I've paid money to watch Canada-US play, you know? And before COVID, they had the full sold out bowl in Toronto. They did that tour and everything else. And they did, you know, the jets zone entry, kick it out, fake shot, Royal road, one timer. And I was with John Van Beesbrook. I looked over, he said, they either country just, they couldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. You know, a couple of years ago, but they started to do all those things that we see. And that goal made me go, wow. And it was had wow moments. And, and that's, what's great on either side. Yeah either country next time shootouts and all that stuff. The two games they played were very entertaining. Hopefully the Swedes, the Finns and everything else can also elevate their game. The thing is, Craig, I think Canada, the U S are still going to get better. Like the, the O fours that are coming up apparently are unbelievable. Uh, I, I saw some O fives and O sixes on the ice and maybe only one of them ever makes the national program on either country. Like they're coming. Uh, I hope that they're coming around the world as well. And some of the other countries can also add to the group. 
Well, the, the, the other the other countries are developing, and I mean, I mean, when you start with such a big advantage like the, like Canada and the USA have, you know, you, you, you're closing it and closing it, and 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 maybe the the uh, the spread isn't isn't as great, but it's still pretty significant. But what we got to keep in mind, and we have to keep it in mind, is that the is that the other countries. You can look at Finland. How about Czechia? You know, how, you know, the Swiss, like, you know, we look at it when they play the USA or Canada, they're a lot more competitive against those teams than they ever were. Right. I'll tell you how good us, uh, how good Canada is. They obliterated Finland. They obliterated Finland and Finland's a, a, like, like they're, they're, they got a good solid program. USA beat them four one in the semifinal Canada obliterated them. That's how good Canada it will, you know, is anyway, there is growth. There is growth. There, there's growth happening. And you know what? We, we want it to all be, uh, you know, in sync with everything else. It isn't going to be in sync. But I, I, I was at the first world championships in 1990, Steve. I was there, uh, you know. So, you know, watching it, I remember watching Angela James. I was just like, wow. Like, you know, it's just, that, that was a wow moment for me. And, you know, you sit down and you think about how far it's come, how far it's come in four years, how far it's come all that time. Unbelievable. You know, the, the young players, are, are gifted. They're talented. They, 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 they got all kinds of opportunity to play and practice, uh, you know, with such quality coaching and, and, and that's what has to continue to get better. And we got to keep encouraging them. Let them let their skills shine. Let's end with uh, Marie Philippe Poulin. I was oh. there in Vancouver. Um, you know, so that's 2010, 2014, 2018 U S wins. And now we're into 2022. At 34, is it a passing of the torch? Is this it? I mean, you talk about clutch, right? If it was, you know, American football, they'd be talking about Tom Brady. And if it was basketball, it'd be Jordan. And it's it's hockey. It's exciting. You know, everyone knows her in Canada and they have learned about her name in the United States. But that's clutch. The steal and the rip. You know, the back check, the steal. And every every moment that doesn't go in, it's like you get one or two. But what about all those other chances? And in every Olympics that Canada's won, she's had these magic moments of doing some very special things. And uh, you just think if that's her last game at the Olympic Games, what a way to go out. Well, if that's her last game, I, I, I would suggest that, uh, you know, she's leaving a lot on the table. Cheryl Pounder reminded me of this. And, and, and you know, it's really, she said, we, we tend to look at age, uh, you know, the same with the, with the women as we do the men. She said, the women, the women, she said, like, they mature a little bit later, right? And so, and they don't have the same wear and tear on their bodies, like, as they get older. She said, so you can't, you, she says, it's really hard to just say, you know, it's 30, you know, they're 30, or they're going to be 32. She said, they're, they're, sometimes you're only peaking at 28 or 29. Not, not everybody, but some of them, you know, they're in that physical maturity zone. So, you know, what I would say about Marie Philippe is, is that she's the best player on the planet. And uh, she shows no signs of tailing off. Uh, and, you know, if she wants this to be her last, obviously she, she, she's going to go out with, uh, with, 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 it'll be special. But if she doesn't want to go out, she's going to be just as wired to come back and win gold in 2026 as, as anybody. I, I said this last night on the, uh, on the post game, and I'll say it now. She's one of the greatest players of this generation. Any player, any player. She's one of the greatest, Steve. I watched her in 2018 
they they lost the gold medal game and the canadian players had the silver medals around their neck and the u.s were waiting to get their gold medals she went down as, as her teammates were on the line and she went down and spent a few moments said a few words to each and every player and gave them a hug people didn't see that i did i was in the building and you know and you know, at that moment in time, you know, she, 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 she's a leader, but she's no less burning desires. I mean, that four years must've been an agonizingly long four years for Marie Phillip and other players. And I mean, on and off the ice, you're looking at one of the greatest that's played the game period. Period. In the, in the NHL, you get next year, the handshake line as tough as it is in women's international hockey or Olympic hockey, you don't, and you're right. And four years is a long time a year for some teams ask the lightning the year from 2019 yeah. to 2020 so um well it's been a long time since we saw jack eichel and we saw him <laughs> on monday um you know he was a kid in a candy store looked pretty good all things considered colorado surprise surprise spoil the party they got this guy named mckinnon and this other guy named mccarr they're pretty good they got a great team so where are we on vegas and we said we had to see vegas with eichel i'm not it's a small sample size, but we need stone. We need everything else. So let's begin with Jack Eichel and, you know, what he is. Is he better than McKinnon and Matthews? Is he in that group? Is he a little bit below? Or does it even matter? Because Vegas has the best player already in franchise history, just like that. Well, they do. And it was it was interesting watching watching Jack, you know, it was a, it, because you he hadn't played in so long. You, you, you kind of forget his, his movements, right? And he's, he's long and he's lean and he kind of comes in and, you know, he, he, he did look like he was having a, a real enjoyable time being back playing, right? He's only going, he's only going to get better. We know he's only going to get better. Uh, you know, when you watch, uh, how about Darcy Kemper back-to-back -back shutouts, you know, I'm a Darcy Kemper fan. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to state that now. I think Darcy Kemper's an upgrade on Philip Grubauer. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, you come into a new team and yeah, yeah the, exp the expectations are sky high for the Colorado Avalanche as they should be. But when I watched this Colorado team play, that was a back to backer. They played Dallas the night before and they come into Vegas and Vegas is licking their chops. You know, Vegas now in the last week have lost, got waxed by Calgary, shut out, lost at home on a back to back to Colorado's plan shut out one of the things that really makes me leery about the vegas golden knights is their ability to dig in and find a way when it's hard when the resistance is there and guess what against colorado and uh calgary ah, they didn't find a way it's a real concern of mine steve yeah and you said this long before uh -huh. long before mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and i said i'll look for evidence i said i'll look for evidence I'm not seeing it in the last two games against Calgary and Colorado. I don't see it. Yeah. And we talk about getting to high danger and middle ice. Yep. And, they, oh, yeah. and Hitchcock, you know, we had the conversation inside the dots and outside the dots. Why are you defending outside the dots? That's, that's asinine. It's a waste of time. You can push them off like where the game is. And when Vegas has not been able to be in there offensively or defensively, you talk about offensively, it is a concern the Robin Leonard situation, and it got weird over the last, when, when we were talking last week, we were talking about, well, Eichel, what's realistic for a return? Then the stone thing opens up a door. 
Then the conspiracy theorists, I saw something on Twitter, Vegas lightning. And then people, you know, for one moment, could we imagine that Jeff, that uh, Mark Stone is, is going to miss anything more than a shift if he could, let alone, you know, games and months and everything else. So what do you say to the Mel Gibson conspiracy theorists? And where are we on the realism of Leonard's health, Martina's back, then somebody being traded or like what, what is this stew that we've got going on in Vegas? Cause it's made others stew around the NHL. Well, and you're right. So let's, let me begin with the Mark Stone situation. You know, Nikita Kucherov had surgery, Steve. Like, yeah. I mean, like, like if you're going to the, to the full extent of, of, of trying to create a situation, he had hip surgery. If you talk to anybody that's done the surgery, you know, not the, not the social media doctors, <laughs> I'm talking about actual orthopedic surgeons. Okay. That have done the surgery, you know, what that entails. Number one, what the rehab entails. Number two, number three, the timeline for it. I mean, Nikita Kucherov, like, I mean, bottom line, it had the surgery. Like, I mean, like, if, if you're going to that extent to try to circumvent the cap, wow, that's unbelievable. Listen, the, the CBA ha has mechanisms for, for any type of long-term injury reserve to be evaluated. They, they have mechanisms. It's all in there. It's all in the CBA. So you can go look at it. Are there going to be other teams phoning and saying, hey, Mr. Bettman, you, you better be looking into this? Yeah, that's just part and parcel. I mean, it's going to happen. So let's wait and see. But you talk about the stew. I like I like to use the, the word stew. It just seems to be stirring in there. And like, you know, you pick up a spoon and one spoon has vegetables and chicken. Then you put it back down. The next one has chickpeas and, and, and beef, right? Like, you know, the, and, all the and, and I think that's where the Vegas Golden Knights find themselves. I, I really do. They're trying to find their game on the ice. They're trying to show who's going to be here. Who's not going to be here. What does it mean? When are they going to be here? How's it going to work? Who's our goaltender, right? Like it just doesn't seem to me that Vegas has this, uh, this environment where there's a sense of calm, where the players can just come in and play. The coaches can come in and coach. You know what it's like when you come in every day and you're not sure who, who's not going to be there tomorrow. It's not a good feeling, Steve. And there's no way. There's absolutely no way that the Vegas Golden Knights don't have that environment going on there. Yeah, it's fun for us. Probably yes. not fun for the players. And the other thing that is going on in this stew, something has to come out that's uh -huh. probably delicious. So something has to, like, it, it's not going to percolate on its own and be a great meal organically something's got to change it's all not like if stone needs surgery and he's out for the year then you've lost stone you've got eichel but you've lost stone if stone does return on april the 9th well he's got to be in on the cap then well what does it mean and you better have gotten rid of somebody earlier and then you're short and then you might not win the division so you might finish second or third or whatever's going on that's what makes this whole thing so fascinating in a perfect world we really really like the meal um but there's so many things that make it so interesting. I, I love it. I, like the Vegas storyline is uh, made for TV. It's made for TV. And as you, if you said before, you're not betting on them until something else changes. And until something else changes, you know what? I don't think the big money is on Vegas to win the Stanley Cup. They're, they're good, but I don't know how good in the very end. And you've brought that up many times before.
All right, time now for KB on Ice, an inside look at the National Hockey League, brought to you by our friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Mr. Button, Ducks, Oilers, on this day, I'm taking Edmonton. I'm taking Connor McDavid, two points. Here come the Oilers, trying to catch the Flames. The Pacific has changed. I love it. I'm <laughs> cheering for the Alberta teams because that's who I'm betting on right now. Ducks and Kings are in trouble with a capital T. What do you like? Well, well, you know, you think about Edmonton going on the road, beating San Jose and beating LA. And, you know, the game against LA was one of those games that was a little bit tenuous for them. You know, the Ducks now, you got to, the, the Oilers got to jump right on them. Back-to-back games, jump right on them and get right after them. Serve notice that, like, we're moving past you and we're getting past you. And, you know, the three games under uh, Jay Woodcroft have uh, resulted in three straight wins. Make it four. I'm with you. You know, McDavid is uh, is rocking and rolling. And, you know, sometimes change gets everybody's attention, not just the people that were changed or coming in. It gets everybody's attention. You know, the players are like, oh, oh, okay, we better get going here. Because, you know, one thing Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl don't want to hear about, it's on you. They don't want to hear it's on them. And if they don't do their part, that's what they'll hear. I'm also taking the Blues against Montreal, giving up everything <laughs> because uh, Bennington's due, Craig. There's a guy named Billy Husso. In Montreal, we know where things are going there. So I'm, I'm considering that an empty netter. Hopefully not a Patrick Stefan empty netter, if you know what I'm saying. Empty netter? Oh, come on. They're going to win by three or four. <laughs> <laughs> It's guaranteed night here at KB on Ice or Day or whenever you're listening. Check out all NHL odds, props, and totals at SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. We were talking, Tyler Toffoli, last episode, and you brought up the rumblings in Calgary. We hung up and went on our merry way, and then boom. Brad Tree Living makes the trade and Toffoli is a Calgary flame. What did you think of the trade, the returns from each side? Sometimes I know at TSN, they want you to say winners and losers. I think there's two winners here. Calgary got what they wanted. Montreal got what they wanted. So, you know, if you get a first round pick and then a prospect that you think can play, well, I mean, what more do you want? The fifth round pick is and everything else, but let's start with the trade and, you know, Calgary striking early. Brad Tree Living told us on the show. So a couple of things that I'll say about that too. Like, you know, you look at a trade, everybody wants a, a winner and a loser. Well, what are each team trying to achieve, right? Like, you know, you know, and to your point, there's two winners there because what Montreal is trying to achieve and what Calgary is trying to achieve are two, two opposite things, right? So, you know, the bottom line is I'll start with the Calgary flames. You know, you're looking at a, a at a player that is, that fits, you know, you're looking at your puzzle piece. You go, hmm, where would the, Oh, right there right oh and he's available oh okay and oh, by the way he, he's a really well-rounded player our coach knows him he knows players on our team he's played with them oh he's got this really good recent history of playoff success <laughs> like i mean come on i mean like you know it's one of those things where like you know for brad trey living and and, and getting out in front on it is, is important that's number one obviously an excellent trade. He's such a well-rounded player. People don't, I, I really don't think people realize how good of a two-way player Tyler Toffoli is. He is a really good, he kills penalties and, you know, does anyway, that, that's number one. Then I hear, well, geez, wouldn't the Montreal Canadians, wouldn't the Montreal, like, why didn't they wait? 
Well, they said there had to be a market for Tyler Toffoli. Where was there a market for Tyler? Everybody thinks there was a big market for Tyler Toffoli. And I'm not talking about the player. The reason there's not a big market for Tyler Toffoli is you need cap space to acquire Tyler Toffoli next year, the year after. He's got two years left on a contract, right? Yeah. So, like, so like, okay, so the teams that have cap space, they're not, they're not trading for Tyler Toffoli, the bottom teams. And t- t- teams that are, cap, that are at the cap, they, they got to they gotta have space next year moving forward. So that made him very, very uh, appealing to the Calgary Flames and to other teams that may, that may want him. Like, you know, somebody said, what about the LA Kings? Yeah, I know. I don't think they need a Tyler Toffoli. I think they need a defenseman. Fit the puzzle piece. Montreal, they need cap space, Steve. Like, y- you can trade all the expiring contracts you want. Montreal's challenge is cap space. That's the number one thing they need. They get a first-round draft pick. It'll be a later first-round pick. Namal Hanneman, he's a, he's a B prospect, and a B prospect's good. Just means he's further away. He's going to play deeper in your lineup. But, but I think he's got a chance to be a, a regular in the NHL. That's what it is for the Montreal Canadiens. Is this going to kick off some more wheeling and dealing? Bill Guerin says he doesn't like to do anything on deadline day. Too much pressure. He wants to get it done earlier. We've heard Minnesota. There's a connection. Claude Giroux down to three teams, apparently. Colorado, Minnesota, St. Louis. Minnesota has no cap space next year, so they couldn't have got Tyler to Foley because they're in trouble next year. They need rentals now, which means JT Miller probably won't fit unless they send $5 million back. And then they're, are they better? Probably not. So what's next? Uh, we know Montreal, your buddy Kent Hughes said, basically Sherratt and Petrie, are going to go as well if somebody wants to take Petrie's contract. So are we off and running, Craig, as the countdown to the deadline is on? Like, what happens next? Well, well, well you are off and running. Kent also said, I'm not, I'm not, like, we know what our price is for Ben Schrott. We're not lowering it. Like, it's not going to be the market. If everybody's offering a third-round draft pick, like, you're not getting them. Right. And sometimes you just got to say no. Like, and that's true. Like, you know, you, 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 because what happens, here's the problem that happens. If you just acquiesce to what the market does, right? You know, th- then what happens the next time when everybody says, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll just wait them out." Now you're. It's not just. It's not just now you're trading. You're also setting yourself up. How are you going to trade in the future? So if Kent says this is what we need for Ben Sherratt, or we need this kind of type of package, whatever, however you want to define it. Yeah. Is that the last? You remember what happened with Gar Snow? Do you remember what happened with Gar Snow when he had to trade Thomas Vanek? Remember, he kept remember. asking and asking. He ended up with nothing. He ended up getting Kahlberg, a prospect from Montreal, because at the last minute, he had nothing. He had nothing. Did I say that enough? He had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so as a GM, you, you can't put yourself in that spot. The, the idea, if you sit down and go, well, you got to get something for Ben Chirot. A third-round draft pick isn't something for Ben Chirot. And if they're not going to offer something that's significant for, for a player, you, 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 not only, you not only compromise yourself then, you put yourself in compromising positions going forward because everybody's waiting. Yeah. So, so to me, right? so, but, but cap space, like, like if, 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 you still need cap space this year for expiring contracts. Like bottom line is teams know with more time, teams that are buyers know with more time that, 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 that they're going to have a, they're going to have more opportunity to have cap space or more cap space. That's what we got to wait for. We're five weeks out. Calgary had cap space. And again, 
there wasn't a big market and I'm not talking about the player. There wasn't a big market for Tyler to So Ken Hughes goes, we better strike here because he yeah. needed cap space. So all the, the, the Klingbergs, Pavelski's if Dallas falls out, uh, Ben Sherrod, Claude Giroux, Mark Giordano. We, the, the trade bait list is out. It's, it's long. It's thick. It's exciting. Do you think that we're going to be checking all those boxes by the time the deadline hits on March 21st, that it's going to be like Dallas is not trading Pavelski and Klingberg. If they're going to be wildcard too, I get it. But if they start falling, if, if, if they're, if we get to March 20th and Dallas is chasing, like the jets are chasing now, despite their big win last night, imagine Pavelski and Klingberg on the market. Oh boy. That, that excites me. That excites me. So changing circumstances, Steve, like there very well could be changing circumstances and based on where a team finds itself or not. Right. Like why would right now, Vancouver, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing in San Jose on this Thursday night. Why would they right now trade a player? Like arguably their best. I mean, Thatcher Demko has been phenomenal. JT Miller's right. there is their best player. Yeah. He's got a great contract for next year. Like, you know, like I've said this all the way through, like if, if they're going to go, and and trade JT Miller, and they're not getting a top three defenseman back. I I I don't I don't know how they make sense of it. Now I I now I understand that you can create cap space and go sign a free agent. Well, there's a lot of ifs there, like what free agents are coming there, you know, like and 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 look at it. But you know, I, you know, one place I do look at for John Klingberg is the Vancouver Canucks because of the because of the Swedish connection there with Daniel and Henrik Sedin, couldn't they convince John Klingberg to come there? Right. Yeah. Like, you know, as a free agent though, not a trade Yeah, as a free agent. Yeah. So like, you know, so, so, so that's just, that's another, um, we're not a free agent time. I would know. Okay. Well, we'll get there, but, but I, that, 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 that's an intriguing place for me. Like they need a John Klingberg defenseman there. I mean, imagine him and uh, Quinn Hughes. So I think that teams now, like there's no reason for teams to sell off their players that are in that hunt. You can decide if it's, if it's a long shot hunt, if it's a, if it's one that's uh, reasonable, but you know, maybe a little far off. Why, why would you, what are you telling everybody? You're telling your players and your fans that ah, it's over. Okay. I don't think that I go that I go, I go down to Dallas. They went to the Stanley cup final. No fans. Okay. No fans. They're like, you no, know, Tom Galliardi, the owner, like he, he's like, he's in the restaurant and hotel business. This lockdown and pandemic has really hit him hard. Yeah. Like, does he want, does he not, does he not want to keep the interest of his fans there? You go and start trading when your team is in a hunt. You, that, that, that's not good business for the Dallas stars in my view. Yeah. Yeah. Hotels empty, you know, finally things are getting as yep. close to normal as possible. Um, so exciting. And then you got the Preds in the Philip Forsberg situation, how you don't resign them, figure it out. It's uh it's intriguing. There's so many players who are either going to be UFA or have a little bit of term left that seem to be in play. I, I want to know what all the big boys are going to do, Craig. That, that's, in, that's intrigues me. What teams like Minnesota and Toronto, we talked about this last time, are going to pounce. Imagine Pavelski in Minnesota. Billy Garen says, you know what, we, he's going to help us. You know, or I, I try to connect a team and a player. Uh, that's what makes it so much fun because I'm sure the talks are going on 24 hours a day. No, well, they, they are. Now I got I got a couple for you here. I got a couple oh. for you. And they're two separate things. Oh yeah. Okay. Number one. So I'm going to start with the trade one. Then I'll go to the second one because uh, who knows how long we'll go on this. 
Who do you think? So I'm going to put it right to you. Do you think PK Subban would be a good fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, I say no. Um, Pourquoi? Uh, so he would be the five six with Rasmus Sandin, is what you're saying, so, or with Jake Muzzin? I don't think PK is playing. What what? We've had people from New Jersey from the show. It's not a glowing scouting report about the foot speed, the way, say, the Leafs play. <clears throat> he is a big body. Um, I don't know if they're going in that direction. He's very available and not at a big price. So is it better than Justin Hall is what you have to ask. Is that an upgrade? Um, I just think that the game is it's on the downslope. And I think the Leafs are probably looking at a whole bunch of options and PK might be on the list, but I, I'm going to say he's at the bottom of the list. I'm just guessing, but he's available and he's not the price of the Ben Sherratts and John Klingbergers of the world. Well, the reason I ask is, is I'm, I'm, I'm like, I agree with everything you say about his play. I'm asking if he'd be a good fit there, right? Shot defenseman. He's heavy. He's hard, expiring contract. I, I know they got to fit him in. I know what the dollars are. I'm just, I, I just been thinking about it. You know, yeah, yeah, hometown comes in he's got one run at at a stanley cup he's a competitor how how you can use him how you cannot use him i mean at, at, like i i just think he's intriguing he's intriguing for a number of reasons for me he's not the pk suba that he was even a few years back i mean when he was uh when he uh was in the stanley cup final with nashville uh you know like i mean that's not the pk suba you're getting but could he come in and give you I, I, like, you know, one thing about PK, he's got this unbelievable enthusiasm and you get into the, and the, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are a good, strong functioning team. Anyway, I just, I, it's a question. It's not a, you know, I, I'm not sure either, but I want to ask the question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, it's the discussions that everyone's having. Um, do you, before we leave the trade deadline conversation, is there anything that's, you talk about pieces of the puzzle to Foley, you're sitting there going, okay, you know, you're putting together, you know, a train station, you know, and you're going, where's, Oh, Oh, this is the piece of, this is the caboose and it fits in there nicely. Is something out there for Giroux or Klingberg or Sherratt that like makes the most sense. You know, we can go back to the beginning of trade deadline with what Butch, Butch Goring did for the Islanders. And then all the other things that have happened, whether they work out or don't work out for a cup in between Bork to Colorado and all that stuff. Is there something that just makes so much sense that it's got to happen? Like Mike Fisher, when he was going out with Kerry Underwood, and then the, the fit for Nashville was a second-line center that can get 20 goals and 40 points. Ottawa should trade Fisher to Nashville, and everybody goes home happy. Is there something that just makes a lot of sense now as the discussions of the trade bait board continue? I, I think there's two. I think Giroud of Minnesota makes a lot of sense for the uh -huh. Minnesota Wild. You know, I I I, I don't think like I, I I know you say, oh, why wouldn't this Colorado need him? Like, you know, I mean, yeah, can they benefit from? Him? I just think if you're the Minnesota Wild, zero in on Claude Giroux. He he adds something that 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 bolsters an area of your lineup that could benefit you. That's a hard team in Minnesota. They're a good team. Right. I think he gives them a little bit of a boost. I know that Claude can help any number of teams. I know he could help the Colorado. I just think if I'm Billy Guerin, that's where I'm zeroed in. And likewise, if I'm Joe Sackick, I'm zeroing in on Ben Sherratt. Yeah. That's who I'm zeroing in on. 
Like that's, that's the guy that I think just works. And I, I think he can work for a lot of different ways. So as we talk about national now, here's my next question that I, that I want to ask just and, and as we get ready to wrap. Philip Forsberg. Okay. He's a driver. He's a driver, right? How do you let drivers of your team leave? Number one. And number two, hasn't Yossi kind of set the bar for what, for, for something reasonable for where Forsberg's good at. And number three, I, I, I think we get fussed now. I, I used to be fussed by it. All guys making 9 million, 10 million, like all the good teams have nine to 10 million players <laughs> or more, right? I'm not fussed by it anymore. Are you? Uh, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not. So they got two other guys at eight and that, and they're playing as good now as they've ever played yep. there or somewhere else. And Duchesne's having a phenomenal year. Yep. They're going to need to pay Forsberg at least eight, and he's that good. So eight times eight at home, or seven times eight or nine somewhere else. That that that's just the truth. And he he is that good, folks. And again, he falls in the central time frame, and the Preds are not as sexy as some other teams, so you don't see him. He has been unbelievable this year, and has one of the best accurate shots. Sweet hands. Go look at what he did to Alex Petrangelo, you know, before the all-star break. Like Forsberg is that guy. Like he is that guy. It's scary to think what would happen if he stayed in Washington. I don't want to go down that road because Martin Erat, God bless you. Sometimes say hey, we all do things we shouldn't do. But if he walks, even if they have him and make the playoffs and lose in the first round, oh boy. Talk about UFA. Talk about next year and what makes sense. Philip Forsberg on the market at 27. Uh, it would be a shame for hockey fans in Nashville. How it's getting to this point, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Right. That's another story. We push that puck forward. That's another story for me. Uh, I love the trade deadline talk, and apparently so do our listeners and so does across <laughs> Canada, the United States, and Newfoundland. Anyway, ultimate hockey fans, ladies and gentlemen, they're our sponsor at the end of the show for final thoughts. If you want information, ultimatehockeyfans.com. Our special code for the discount is forward slash cool button pod. Or if you just want to look at the beautiful array of products with your favorite NHL logo on it, ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod to get our discount. Final thoughts, Mr. Button. I'm going to go first on Sid the Kid. How it all happened organically was unbelievable because TSN had a slogan when I was there the first time. Like, I'm like Billy Martin. I've been there three times. Real life, real drama, real TSN. He scores the goal from Malkin. You're allowed to clear to the bench, right? No penalty, league rule. Then Sydney, who's so shy, they give him a curtain call, like a Yankee Stadium curtain call. The next period, Mario's message, they don't go to commercial break. His mom and dad, I'm losing it as they show all his goals because it's not just his life, it's ours. When he scored his first goal, where I'm sitting now, I had my five-year-old on my lap. Sydney scored his first. I, I went to Ramuski to, just to watch Sydney Crosby or London when he was there. Then he, all the other moments, the one hand on the stick, the goal, and you're like, this is your life, but it's our life too. And it was just the way it happened. His parents, Mario, the fans in Pittsburgh, oh, just uh, emotional. I love it, and I hope we get him for another six years, Craig. I loved it. That's what sports is all about. Yeah, it, it, well, it is. It's the timeline, right? And, and and all those timelines, you talk about your five-year-old on your lap. Think about everybody. You know, he scores his, in, in his first uh, NHL season right up until his last game. 
he has been a special, you know, I talked about Marie Philip Poulin being, you know, one of the best of the generation. Well, guess what? She's, she, she's in there with Sidney Crosby. She's in there with Sidney Crosby as one of the best of the, I mean, what, what has Sydney shown that, he, that doesn't make you believe he can continue to do this for two, three, four, five years. Nick Lidstrom was a Norris trophy winner at, in his forties. The, so Sidney Crosby has shown me no signs that he's fallen off. And you know, what's fascinating to me, Steve, remember, we don't think of Sydney as a goal scorer, you know, like as, as, as this patented guy, like what's his shot, what's his move, whatever it is. We don't, and, and yet here he is with 500 scored 50 once one, two rockets would have scored 50 again. If he didn't get hurt, uh, you know, that year when, uh, you, you know, unfortunately, I mean, he was, he was, he, he was running away with everything. But what a special player. And, you know, imagine the Pittsburgh Penguins. I started thinking about this. How spoiled have the Pittsburgh Penguins been? They get Mario and Yager, and then they get to come back with Sidney and Malkin. Like, like somewhere, somewhere there is some kind of shining star over the city of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, as Yager celebrated his 50th birthday, we had a nice Yager story. So we might as well close with it. In that draft year, as you know, as good as it was with Ned Fed and Owen Nolan and everything else, the Penguins won a lottery before the lottery when they got Yager at number five. And my best Yager moment was, of course, 92 around Brent Sutter, around everyone and through Eddie Belfour. And then the salute. They've been spoiled in Pittsburgh and they've won cups because of it. And I do believe this now. There, there might not be Carolina, Florida, or Tampa, but they're there. The Pittsburgh Penguins could be back in the cup final again. And there might be another salute to six hey, hey, Well, I'm going to give a salute to the great Harry Neal. Do you remember his line after Yager scored that goal? The only, the only person Yager didn't deke out was the usher, and he was up in section 217 at the top row. <laughs> I love it. I love it. For Craig Button, I'm Steve Cooley. It's episode 40 is in the books. 41 next week. Enjoy the games, everybody, and congratulations, Team Canada.